Good morning, everybody. Today, we're going to learn Daf Chaf Zayin in Maseches Rosh Hashanah. Andrew is back, woo, all the way back from San Diego, Bruchim Habayim, and uh, he's angry because we are far behind. He said he assumed we're on the top of Chaf Zayin Amid Alf. Not quite. Well, let me just catch you up on some of the things you probably missed. Wherever you learn, uh, whatever you're learning in San Diego, you still have an extra three hours because you're in San Diego time. So we said like this, we were talking about the different phrases that we learned from the, uh, fr- from the maidservants of Rebbe. Okay. So the, where we were was Lohavi. You see where the Mishnah is on Chavzainam Bez? So just a little bit, a few lines up, uh, above that, we said like this, Lo. Havi Yadi, oh, it's really pretty far up. It's um, Sirugin, where it says Sirugin. The Rabbanon didn't know what the word Sirugin meant. I discussed this with Rabbi Gross, uh, and he said, we'll discuss it at a different time. How do we learn what these words mean from various sources? Now, it happens to be there's a whole Tyra here about the maidservants of Rebbe being Gilgulim of the Shifcha that was at Kareis Yamsuf. Be that as it may, Shemuel, I'm to be Rebbe. When they heard the maidservants of Rebbe's household, the son of Rabbanu, the Havaili Piske Piske, they saw people entering the house intermittently, like in drips and drabs for Shear. And Amr Lahu, and they said, heard the maidservant say, serugin, serugin. Why are you coming in in drips and drabs? And she used the word, the word Serugin, Serugin. Then they understood that Serugin meant intermittently. Good. Another story. Uh, we don't, we didn't know what it means. He, this particular guy was scattering around his, uh, herbs. And she said, Uh, she was Israeli. So she said, how long are you going to scatter these chaloglos? And they understood that it was herbs. This is a pasuk. So that's where it gets weird, right? It's a pasuk in Mishlei. Now, I, don't understand most of the Pesukim in Mishlei, but you would think the Rabbanon would, and the, the fact that they would learn it from Rebbe's maidservant, okay. They heard the, the uh, maidservant say, He saw he was curling and playing with his hair. Uh, until when are you going to be misalsel your hair? Right, as Rashi says, Salsala in the context of Salsala from Mecha and Mishlei means right? You just you're twirling and turning it around, turning it over like one plays with his hair in order to find all the hidden gems within, as we do. Furthermore, another story. Okay, this is a destructive pasuk in Isaiah that talks about the downfall of Bavel, and it causes. The well, and and then basically the, all the historical events having to do with the destruction of the base of Mikdash and the Galos. So Yom Achad Hashemul Am said to be Rabbi the Havas Amar Lechaver Tashkoli Tate Utati Beisa. An interesting thing. Rabbi Gross spoke about it in his little snippet, his Dafyomi snippets. Uh, what I call, and she said to her, a maidservant said to her assistant, "Get the Tate and sweep the house with it." So they understood that that was a broom. Okay, that's what they call it, and it, all these terms have made it into modern Hebrew. So metate is a, is a, is a broom. Finally, This is Pasuk Tehillim. My brother-in-law, David Zalzayin Gizun, says that you should say, before you have, like he used to tell me, 
we know each other for a long time. So before a big test, if you're guessing in multiple choice, you throw your, all your burden onto Hashem. We don't know what Yahavcha means. Sounds like your love, it's your burden. We'll see. Hashem will hook you up. How so? One day I was traveling with like an Arab merchant, Havadarina Tuna, and I was carrying a giant load. Um, Ali, and, the, and he said to me, Shkol Yehavecha, take your Yehav, your Pekala, and put it onto my camel. So we see from the Arab merchant how to understand the Pasuk in Tehillim. I said to Rabbi Gross, are we okay with this? And he said, yeah, it's fine. All right, to be continued. We are now finally at the Mishnah. This is going to be our pace, Andrew. We're going to make it through Chavzayin. Stop giving me those dagger eyes. Oh, I truly, I missed those dagger eyes. It was not, that's how we ended up in this pickle in the first place. <laughs> okay. The Mishnah is now going to talk more about Shofar. We're all about Shofar now, Andrew. And the Mishnah says as follows. Shofar Rosh Hashanah Yael Pashut. You will notice that we don't paskin like this. But the first, uh, it's talking about different kinds of Shofars. So, it's saying, first of all, that the Shofar of Rosh Hashanah should be Pashut, which means straight. Okay? It should be that of a Yael, which is a wild goat, and it should be straight. <clears throat> Do you know the difference between a goat and a ram? I'm going to talk about it a little bit. Upiv mitzupe zahav. The mouth is plated with gold. So this is talking about, Rashi is going to explain, this is the shell mikdash. In other words, this doesn't mean that every shofar and shul on Rosh Hashanah needs to be covered in gold. In fact, we see there's an issue of uh, kategor and sanegar that should be involved with the uh, gold-plated shofar. But be that as it may, in the base of mikdash, when they used to blow shofar, they used to do it as follows. Rosh Hashanah, the, the middle shofar was made of a wild goat. says the Mishnah. And in the side, there were two trumpets, and they would blow all together. The shofar, however, marich, the shofar would blow longer than the chatzosos, the chatzosos mekatzros, right? The chatzosos would stop early, uh, before the shofar, she mitzvah sayom b'shofar, because we know the mitzvah sayom of Rosh Hashanah is b'shofar. <clears throat> now, that is Rosh Hashanah. What about on the gathering days of fast days, uvetanios, and on fast days, kafufim. That when you that's when you use the bent shofar of males. We'll see what the males thing is going on here. This is talking about male sheep. You know what they call male sheep? A ram. Okay. Um, kasef. They're plated not with gold but with silver. So in the case of fast days, it's not the shofar that's in the middle. But it's the trumpets that are in the middle, as will, the Gemara will show. That which is the mitzvah sayom is featured in the middle and actually blows longer, as the Mishnah continues to say. Shofar mekatzer, mechatzosos marichos. In that case, you're blowing the chatzosos extra. She mitzvah sayom bechatzosros. Very good. What's the mitzvah sayom of fast days? Well, it's to to gather everyone. Explains Rashi. So gathering everybody is da 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 trumpets, not a shofar thing. Okay. Now, the Mishnah continues to say, that Yovel is like Rosh Hashanah, and the Gemara will discuss what this very phrase means, so in terms of the configuration, means that you're going to have the shofar in the middle and the chatosos on the side. And the brachos, what's the brachos thing? So Rashi amazingly says, because you're going to say, the Tesha brachos, which means to say, the Musaf brachos of Rosh Hashanah, are recited on Rosh Hashanah and also on Yom Kippur of Yovel. The Gemara will challenge this. That seems weird, okay? Rabbi Yehuda, finally, to finish up the Mishnah, he switches it. He says, on Rosh Hashanah we blow with the ram, and on Yovel, 
is when we blow with that of the wild goats. That's how we paskin. <clears throat> so we'll see. Okay. The, the Rashi explains that the Gemara will, t- will tell you. So now we're at the Gemara. Amar Rabbi Levi. Mitzvah Rosh Hashanah Right? So unlike the Mishnah, Rabbi Levi holds like Rabbi Huda, right? That on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, you're going to use the bent shofar that we do. The rest of the year, which is to say like on fast days, you're going to use those outer shofars with straight ones. I, the Gemara asked about non-shofar, Rosh Hashanah, Shiyal, Pashat. Our Mishnah said otherwise. Says the Gemara, who the Amar ki haitana? Yeah, Reb Levi has a different Tanaic source. The Tanya, because we have it in the Brisa, Rabbi Yehuda Omer. Now, this is not just in the Brisa. This is what our Mishnah, Rabbi Yehuda said this in our Mishnah. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, but Rosh Hashanah, you talking about Shosharim Kfufim, Rabbi Yehuda Shayelim, right? That which Rabbi Yehuda said in our Mishnah is also uh, repeated as a separate Brisa. And so that's it. Levi holds like Rabbi Yehuda. Okay. So the Gemara asks, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda. So maybe, why, why is Levi saying it as if it's his own position? Maybe he should, he should just say, I hold like Rabbi Yehuda. So the Gemara answers, In other words, Levi only spoke with respect to Rosh Hashanah and Kippur that it should be bent. But maybe, but, and you'll recall in our Mishnah and in the Brisa, <coughs> Rabbi Yehuda just switches it. He said that the shofar of Yovel should be straight, but maybe Levi holds it all, the shofars should be bent, right? So in other words, like this, and that's why he didn't say, I hold like Rabbi Yehuda, right? I have a mina, feel shayyavu, namik Rabbi Yehuda's fear, like Kamash Malan, no. In other words, Kamash Malan, that Levi holds it, they both should be bent. Good. <coughs> By the way, whatever. Rabbi Yehuda held that um, Yovel should be like Rosh before because of the Gezer Shava. Apparently, Levi rejects the Gezer Shava. But that's... You know, that, that's a little inside baseball for now because we got to move. Okay, so five lines up from the bottom. But my kamiflagi. What's the source of machlokas and whether it should be bent or should be straight? Did you ever wonder that, Andrew? When you were learning this with whatever you were learning this? So Mar Savar, aren't you happy to have me back now so you can understand all this? You probably had Ari Libor, so you understand it 10 times better than me. Okay. Mar Savar, Barosh Hashanah, Kama Dechaif Inish Daitei, Tfei Malei. This is like a psychology of halacha. So, so beautiful here. That on Rosh Hashanah, it's best to be what? Kaif inish daite, humble. And so it's best, more humble, more better. Over Yom Kippur, I'm coming to Pashat inish daite. And Yom Kippur, you have to be straight. In other words, face the truth, straight as an arrow. So yeah, humble yourself during the Sersimei Tshuva. Come to Yom Kippur and take it like a man, right? Um, so to speak, right? It's Fei So that is better. Uh, so therefore, right, that would be represented by a bent chauffeur on Rosh Hashanah, and then the straight one on Yom Kippur. Umar Savar, Rosh Hashanah, Kamat Pashit Inish Daite. Yeah, when you're about to enter and face your sins and Rosh Hashanah and face Hashem, go in with the clarity and, and the straightness that's represented by a straight chauffeur, Tfei Malei, that's better. When you're in a Tainus, maybe even on Yom Kippur, when you have to humble yourself before Hashem, then it's going to be represented by a Ben Chauffeur. As we finally approach a very manageable time, 5.48 a.m., Chavzayin Amad Aleph, Says the Gemara, the next uh, clause in the Mishnah, Fiv Mitzupah Zahav, that you have the shofar gold plated. Vatanya, Tzipah Zahav, Bim Komanachas Piv, Pasol, Shalom Komanachas Piv, Kasher. We learned in Abraisa that the placement of this gold plating makes a difference. If it's where you put your mouth on the shofar to blow it, it's going to be Pasol. Uh, otherwise, it's going to be okay. Aha. Uh-huh. So it must be. That you write that when they says in the Mishnah that you're having it gold plated in the 
shofar of the base of mikdash, it must be that it wasn't in the place of where you put your mouth, which is in fact exactly what Abaya says. As the Gemara continues to say, Amar Abaye, kitna nami masnisin, shalobim komenachas pitnan. When our Mishnah was telling us that it was gold plated, it meant not where the mouth is. What happened to Enkatego Nasis and Agar? Well, <clears throat> I don't know. In other words, it's not really fully gold plated. Maybe it's just a little rim on the outside and it's okay. Um, it's a good question. Now, the Mishnah continues to say, Ushne, ah, now finally, we have a really stark new member coming in here. Okay, so the Mishnah said that in Rosh Hashanah, you had the shofar in center court in the middle, two trumpets on the side. That's like maybe a first tennis reference since Brachos. The Mishnah is then asking, you're blowing the shofar and the, and the trumpet at the same time. You can't hear two voices at the same time. Because we have a brisa. We say this every Shabbos. We're going to say this, right, when we just sing Zemiros tonight. That at Maimad Harsinai, when Hashem was te- teaching us about the mitzvah of Shabbos, Akash Baruch Hu could say Zachar V'Shamar. But a uh, human being can't do that. A human being can't either, can't do it, and he can't hear it when two things are going on at the same time. That's just a supernatural event. As the Gemara says, right? We can't say it or hear it. So therefore, it's counterproductive to have two sounds at the same time. And, and therefore, why are we doing that? It's, it's canceling each other out. So the first answer, the Gemara says, is yeah. That's why we have the shofar blowing longer, because when you have the shofar blowing longer, then you can hear it, and then you're going to be yotze. That's why the one that is the mitzvah of the yom is the one that ends up going longer. So the, the Gemara then gets technical here. Interesting. In other words, what's implied? When we're saying that the shofar is going longer and therefore that's okay, we're meaning that all you need to do is hear a segment of that sound and then you are yodzei. Aha. So it happens to be that the segment you're hearing is the end segment of the sound. But if that's true, then one would assume that even if you hear any segment of that sound, then you are yodzei be it at the end, middle, or beginning. Well, if that's the case, right, and that's the inference that they're saying, that just, if you're going to say the soft in its on its own is your yotze, then the tchilas on its own should be yotze, and if that's the case, then we have to challenge it from the Mishnah and coming up in Lam and Gimel as follows. Tashma. Taka barishona mashach vishniya kishtaim en achas. So let's say you have two tkiyas. And the first one you do regular. Or, but then the second one, let's say you want to have a second and a third tkiya by just making a second super long tkiya. Can you do that? Well, the Mishnah is going to say, no, you only get one. What exactly the case is, is it one tkiya, prolonged second tkiya? That's what it sounds like. Okay. The point is that the prolonged tkiya counts as one. I says the Gemara, am I? Why should the prolonged tkiya only count as one? Tisalik le batarti. He should be yaitse. With two sounds. Why? Well, the inference is like this. If only a part of the tekiah can count as a sound, so then take a super long one and make it as if you've heard multiple parts of a tekiah, and therefore we would say multiple sounds. Andrew's making a sour face because he just realizes immediately the Gemara, he intuits the answer of the Gemara, which is, pasuke lo paskinon. In other words, it is one long sound. We're not chopping up long sounds. We're just saying that if all you hear is part of a sound, you're yotze. But if you have one long continuous sound, you can't say that that is a, uh, right, a, a patching together of multiple sounds 
That's just one long sound. You can't chop them up and say it's multiples. Right? That's what you intuited, and that's what the mission, in fact, says. Fine. Now, Tashma, let's learn a proof, um, another challenge, from a Mishnah that, God willing, we will get a chance to read today on Ahmed Bey's as follows. Famous Mishnah, you might recall. One is blowing into a pit. Nice echo. Good echo chamber in there. Now, let me explain to you the anatomy of sound, Andrew. When you blow shofar into an echo chamber, so first instant, before, because sound is really, it's particles that travel, just like anything else, I mean. It's um, uh, physics. So the way it works is first you're gonna hear the original kia, that's gonna hit your ear. Then those sound particles are gonna echo out. But before you hear the echo, there's that little space of time where you're hearing the actual kia. That's important. Because the question is going to be, right, that is the converse of having chatzosos and a shofar together and then hearing the shofar at the end. This would be like having the shofar and the echo together, but hearing just the shofar in the beginning. So if the chatzosos and the shofar together are yotze, then blowing it into a pit, you should also be yotze because they're hearing the beginning of the shofar. That's the kasha. So it goes like this. Says the Mishnah, which is a cistern, which is a barrel. So it sounds like you're only going to be Yotze if you know that what you're hearing is only the Kol Shofar. If you're hearing the Kol Shofar and the echo, you're not going to be Yotze. Am I? So the Gemara asks, why is that true? We know that by definition, you're hearing some pure Shofar before the echo. Why are you not Yotze? That pure sound of shofar, mikame, before it mixes with the coal of the echo. So the answer, Gemara answers, The answer is like this. When you're talking about the echo, that is one sound that then echoes back. That's, that's one sound that's reverberating. That you cannot discern one from the other. That's more similar to Shamar Vizachar, where one is not discernible from the other by the human uh, right ear. However, when you have trumpets together with shofar, or multiple people blowing trumpets even, something like that, that you can discern. That's called a band. And that you certainly can hear. So that's the answer. In other words, that's why our Mishnah says the chatzosos and shofar together, you're yotze. Right, as opposed to the mission that we're going to learn later, that says that if you're hearing an echo together with the shofar, you're not. However, the Gemara says, "Is it true that if you have two gavre, it's going to be a discernible sound?" Vatanya, we have brisa b'tayra in a different context. Torah reading: Echad korev echad metargim levad shelo yehei echad korev shnayim metargimim. Like this, they used to have the practice. They still have it apparently in some, I think, Taimani congregations. Their reading takes a longer time because they do the Shtayim Mikrov Echatargum in Shul. So they're doing a, right, I don't know if they're doing the Shtayim Mikrov, but they're doing the reading and then they're doing the translating. Now, you used to have these massive Shuls and you had to be, in order to be Yotza, you had to hear the actual laning and therefore you had to, they, they were Makbid not to have multiple translators because the translation was considered part of the laning, so to speak. It's part of the chiv of the laning. And therefore, they did not want you to hear multiple people at the same time because you might get, right, confused. But says the Gemara, those are two different people. 
So if there you have the issue where your concern is that two different people are not going to be heard properly. Well, that seems to fly in the face of the idea that two different people or two different sounds can be heard properly. Says the Gemara, Halo Damia No, but that our Mishnah is not like this ratio, which is talking about Kriya Satara, but rather like the Seifa of that same Brisa, which is discussing not Kriya Satara, but Bahalaluva Megillah. By Hal Megillah, the Brisa over there says, Afilu Asara Karyan. There, oh, that feel me coincidence. We're going to say Halal today. Rosh Chodesh. Happy Rosh Chodesh, Andrew. So, Halal Megillah, Afilu Asara Karin. There, even 10 people could say it simultaneously, and you could be Yotze. Why would that be? So, Alma, we see from that, that came in the Chaviv Yahav Daite. That when it's something you're really excited about, you can pay attention to multiple sounds from multiple people. So, Hachanami came in the Chaviv Yahav Daite Ushma. Right? Here, too, when you're talking about uh, blowing the chauffeur, then people love that. People love chauffeur blowing. They gear up for it all year. They're bringing the whole family and super excited. They have multiple chauffeur blowings. It's okay. They're going to be excited enough that they'll be able to pick out the chauffeur blowing. When a person wants to hear something really badly and they're excited, they're capable of doing so. So that would apply to Hallel, to Megillah, to chauffeur. Those are all special occasions. Not necessarily as much. Kriya every Shabbos, because that you're used to. Let's face it, some some of us are thinking about Kiddush already at that point. So it's a little bit less exciting and is therefore, for that, you don't want to have multiple sounds because you can't expect somebody to be as uh, pumped up. But for the Halal, Megillah, and Shofar, they are, and therefore you don't have that issue and that's why it's okay in a base on Mikdash. Fine. So if that's the case, says the Gemara, So then if you're fulfilling the mitzvah with multiple sounds, why do you have to be Meirich? You're, you're, you're going to be fulfilling the mitzvah. You could tell the difference between the shofar and the trumpets. And says the Gemara, lay the shemitzvah sayom b'shofar. Yeah, that's just an homage to the mitzvah sayom, which is shofar. But technically, you'd be yotze even if you weren't mayrech. So again, you're not being mayrech to be, because that's the only way you could be yotze. You're simply being mayrech to show the primacy of the blowing of the shofar on Rosh Hashanah. So now we're at the first wide line of Chavzayin and And we say it like this. The tiny kfufin. Ah. Upiv mitzupe kesef. That on a tainis, it's bent in our Mishnah. And the, uh, right, the mouthpiece is, instead of being covered with gold, it's covered with silver. Says the Gemara, Maishna Hasam the Zog, Maishna Hachal the Kesef. Why is a shofar on Rosh Hashanah plated with gold, but during the fast days, the, that, that one is plated with silver? The Gemara gives two answers. Number one, Ibai, Seima, Kolki Nufa the Kesef, who, that anything, Anytime you have a congregation, which is what you're doing on Tainus, right? You're bringing everybody together. Bringing everybody together usually involves silver. That's interesting. Where would you learn that? This is a pasuk in the Chumash, by the way, in Bamidbar. That when you're gathering the people for the assembly, you have the chatzosos kesef. That's one thing. So that like, right? Kesef is more of a uh, gathering type material appropriate for that. Or, it's cheaper. So why bother making everything gold when you can make some things kesef? This is always a balance, as we'll see, right? We want to have some things fancy. Obviously, there is bling in the base of Mikdash. We have all kinds of fancy things. So you want to have a kavod. This is actually Rabbi David Katz's shear this week. We have Esav and Yaakov, and they're fighting, and we have it in the Parsha. And then we have in the Haftorah, Malachi, he's talking about, well, Esav was mevaza the Bechorah. Right? He took it lightly, right? With the lentil soup and all that, and then he took it lightly. Okay? 
So the postscript, as it were, is in the Haftarah, where the, the Navi says, are you sure that you're taking, uh, Yaakov got the Bechor, are you sure that you're not taking it lightly? Are you sure that you're giving it enough kavod? Are you sure that you're not, right, uh, making business deals, trading stocks on your cell phone in the, at the Kotel type thing? You know, uh, so that is an interesting thing. In other words, we can make fun of and, ridic- and criticize Esav all we want for being Mevazah the Bechora. We got to make sure that we're not Mevazah the Bechora. And part of that is Kavod. And part of Kavod is sinking some money into it, right? So that's what the Gemara uh, says. But still, So the Gemara, If we are in fact so concerned about the money, so then the, all the shofars should be uh, silver. There should be no gold altogether. Says the Gemara, Right? Yeah, but we have ways of showing Kavod. So when we need to show Kavod, so we have to sink, invest money into it. When it's less critical to show the Kavod, then we're chasen al mamash Yisrael. It's a balance. Okay. Repapa bar Shmuel sabr l'miyavad uvdu kimas nisin. Repapa Shmuel thought to do like our Mishnah. What's like our Mishnah? Rashik bechatsosos v'shofar. The whole thing with the chatsosos and the shofar. So I'm like, Rav, Allah, Amru, Allah, b'mikdash. No, no, no. You're not bringing chatsosos into shul right now. Right? This, that's a base of mikdash thing. Okay. Tanya namiachi, and we see Rav is supported by Brisa. B'medvar mamurim, b'mikdash. Right? We already said, the Brisa said that we did b'mikdash. Of a b'gvulin, malkom sheish chatsosos ain't shofar, malkom sheish shofar ain't chatsosos. When you're in shul, there's a time and place for everything. On Rosh Hashanah, you blow shofar, right? If, it would be weird. If, if we blew shofar, B'nai Jacob Shari Zion, and we brought trumpets, you would think it's a reformed shul, right? Synagogue, whatever. Because you don't blow trumpets. Well, in the base of Mikdash, they did. Um, but we follow this concept that when it's time for shofar, you blow shofar. When it's time for chatzosos, you blow chatzosos without a shofar. We do not have that together. This was, in fact, what Rabbi Chalafta did in Sipori. All these places, Tipari, Sichni, that they had that minog just like we do. And also, Rabbi Heinemann in, in Baltimore, Baltimore. And when they brought this to the Chachamim, Amru, Yeah, of course that's what you do in Baltimore. Because this whole idea of the Chatzosos with the Shofar was only in the Shari Mizrach and the Har Habayis. Okay. Now, is there a source in the Psukim to uh, separate Hard bias from every place else with this regard? Yes. I'm a rabbi, Tamer of Shuman Levi. My Kra, what's the source? It's in Tehillim. The, right, the combination of a chatzosos and the kol shofar, you find that combination present when you are lifnei ha-melech, which is hard bias. Lifnei ha-melech, Hashem, who did the inner chatzosos the kol shofar? That's when you have the chatzosos together with the shofar. No, generally not. Okay. Nine lines up from the bottom. Shava Yovel Rosh Hashanah Litkiyavel Abrachos. Interesting question. Amar Rosh Hashanah Litkiyavel Keman Matzlinan Ha'idna. This is an interesting question. This is the question you might have asked yourself. What are you going to say? The whole Machias Zichorinus and Shofros on Yom Kippur of Rosh Hashanah? That's a very weird thing. Now we're going to analyze the actual Rosh Hashanah liturgy and we're going to point out something else that's interesting about it. It seems to be machria machlokas we had before at the beginning of the sechta with Rabbi Yezer and Rabbi Yeshua. Don't forget, Rabbi Yeshua, who we paskin like with respect to Berachas Achama, holds that the world was created um, in advance of Nisan, not Tishrei. And yet, when we do Rosh Hashanah, which for us isn't Tishrei, we say that this is the first day of creation. Well, how's that? How does that work? So, first of all, it's weird if you hold that the first day of creation was Nisan. 
That this is where Tosfos says what we said there. The He says no. This means that that's what Hashem thought, right? That's command matzlin zehayom azeh. Says Tosfos. Tema hakaimalin kerbi Yeshua. We hold like Rabbi Yeshua. We already said that we hold like Rabbi Yeshua. Uh, that's what the Chachamim do. So he explains that that, that Hashem, uh, the, look at the very very bottom of that Tosfos. Gabi Adam she'alav b'machshava. Right. In other words, Allah l'machshava. Nisan is when Hashem, so to speak, thought of the idea, and then uh, Tishrei was when he, uh, no, no, Tishrei was when he thought of the idea, and Nisan was when he physically created. So anything that has to do with the physical creation, like the Berkasachama and all of that, is going to, in fact, be in Nisan, because we pass in the Rabbi Yeshua. But when we say, Zehayom Tchilas Maasecha, we could simply be referring to the beginning of the thought of creation. That's basically Tosfus' approach. Anyway. Be that as it may, it's weird for Yom Kippur. Zeha Yom Tchilas Masecha does not apply to Yom Kippur. It's the tenth of Tishrei. Says Reb Shmuel, Bar Yitzchak, Keman Matslina Idna. Look at our sitter. Open up a machzer. It says Zeha Yom Tchilas Masecha Zikaron Yom Rishon. Right? We're talking about this is how we're remembering the first day of creation. Keman. That's Kerebi Liazer. There are Mar B'Tishrei Nivra Olam. Right? That's what we were talking about. It sounds like we hold like Kerebi Liazer that says that it's on the first of Tishrei. So then, but how do we say that? So Masiv Rav Eina Shavi Yovel Rosh Hashanah L'Tkiyav LeBrachos. Okay, I can understand Tkiyah, let's say. That on Yovel, again, where we're doing it on Yom Kippur, we'll have the same Tkiyos. But how are you going to say the same Musaf, Malchias, Achronos, and Shofros? These words, the Machzor, Zeh Yom Tchilatz Masecha, the Rosh Hashanah Machzor, is not appropriate for Yom Kippur. It's weird. Right? The Machzor is going to be whack if you read that on Yom Kippur. That's appropriate for Rosh Hashanah. It's not appropriate for Yovel, says the Gemara. Yeah, it's talking about all the other blessings. In other words, we're going to bring the Rosh Hashanah Machzor, but it's going to have great highlights in the art scroll Yovel Machzor. All the stuff that's unique to Rosh Hashanah is just going to be blotted out. It's going to say, say this on Rosh Hashanah only. Very good. Rav Shesha Bered, Rav Idi, Masni Hachi. Rav Shesha Bered, Rav Idi learned it like this. Amr Shmuel by Yitzchak, the same version, uh, a different version rather of, of the same discussion. Had it not Shavu Yovel Roshanot Kiel Lebrachos Keman Deloker Rabbi Yezer. He threw out the idea that this was like Rabbi Yezer altogether. Why the Iker Rabbi Yezer came with the other Brutisha Never Olam Ha'ikazeh Yom Tchilas Masechas Yikarnal Yom Rishon. Yeah, because if it's like Rabbi Yezer, then you have to say that it's Rosh Hashanah is in fact unique in that it's in fact the first day of creation to be Rosh Hashanah Isa Yovel Leisa. Right? Because that would line up Rosh Hashanah with that liturgy, but not on Yovel. So says the Gemara, no. Kikitani Ashara. And there too, we say that speaking of the other brachos, and the machzor would look different. Okay. So now we're on the Mishnah, on the last line of Chosayin Amad Aleph. And we're talking about different defects in the shofar as follows. Shofar Shanizdak. Let's say a shofar had a split, Vidipko. And you did what? You glued it back together. Puzzle. That's not going to be good. Dibek Shivei Shofras, puzzle. Yeah, you put it together, patchwork of Shivei Shofros, that's going to be possible. As we turn to Chazayin with Beis at the manageable time, 6.08 a.m. Nikov, Shofar there is punctured. Ustamo, you seal the hole. Ima'ak evesat kia possible. Be'imlav, kosher. If that seal is going to hinder the blowing and change the way it sounds, then it's going to be possible. But if it's not going to change the way it sounds, it's kosher. How is it not going to change the way it sounds? So, this is actually, I think a machlokas Rashi Tosfos here believe it or not, because the question would be, wait a minute, it changes the way it sounded when it had the hole in it, or it brings it back 
to make it sound the way it sounded before it had a hole in it. It's not for us to decide. That's for the post game. But you get the idea that any alteration, anything that you do to the shofar where it doesn't, where it changes the way it sounds, is almost like a chatzitza, as we'll see. Right? It has to be like a pure called mamadaka, pure sound, just the shofar with no nothing interposing there. Okay. Furthermore, as advertised, if one is blowing into a pit, a cistern, or a barrel, as we said before, if what you're hearing is the pure shofar, that's fine. If you're hearing an echo, no good. Let's say you're walking behind shul, or or your house is very close to shul, and you figure, I'll just listen from my house, shofar, and in Rosh Hashanah, he heard the cult shofar, O Kol Megillah, right? Or the Megillah, like Lahavdil, when I was in Washington Heights, uh, a lot of the locals used to buy really massive speakers and subwoofers for their cars, and then they would turn on the music in the car in the street below and then just go to their apartment listening to it. Um, so this is like you're sitting in your house and you're listening to the sounds of the shofar of the Megillah at home. So there it says, fascinatingly, in the Mishnah, If you're paying attention and like you have L'Shem Mitzvah, um, so then you're going to be Yotze. But if not, not. Nah, that's fascinating, right? The implication is that if you're in Shul, maybe you don't have to make as much of a concerted effort because you're already in Shul. Or maybe it means that when you're in Shul, you don't have to make as much of a concerted effort because it's harder not to be Mechav and Libo, right? Of course you're going to be Mechav and Libo. You're in Shul, Okay. Be that as it may, the Mishnah spells it out. It says, Hearing alone is not enough. If you direct your mind to it, that's how you're going to be Yotze. All right, let's see if we can analyze this further in the Gemara. First of all, let's say you had a long chauffeur and you shortened it. It's still kosher. In other words, you cut, slice it off at the end. That's okay. I mean, the cloud's going to be like this. There is such a thing as making a chauffeur. Right? In other words, a chauffeur factory. You don't just pluck it off the animal and then have to blow it immediately. There's, you know, you're going to soak it, you're going to scrape it, you're going to slice it, you're going to beautify it a little bit, and then that's the chauffeur. So anything that would be part of that process, it's still going to be kosher. So first of all, you're going to cut it at the ends, that's fine. Gerdo, you're going to scrape it, that's fine. Vemido al gildo. As we mentioned before, some chauffeurs have layers. So if you leave it with just one layer, that's kosher, it's fine. As we said, puzzle. you can't plate it with gold where you are putting your mouth because that is apparently a kosher. But to have a little bit of a trim of gold is fine. But obviously to plate it internally is going to be puzzle because that can't help but affect the sound. However, kosher. So with the gold, external gold plating, that's going to depend. A lot of external gold plating can affect the sound, and that's not good. But if it's just a little bit, it's fine. Nike bustamo, what about a hole that you're filling up? So as we said, if it's going to somehow impact the sound, that's puzzle. But if it's not, then you're allowed to stomp it up. So why you would want to do this, I do not know. But if for whatever reason you're going to put a giant chauffeur over a small chauffeur, then you got to make sure, as the Mepharshim explained over here, that, as Rashi, first of all, the second line says, So 
if you had, <clears throat> how do I say this? Okay, if the if the if the uh, narrower chauffeur was longer, that would be the best case scenario, like wearing leggings and a skirt. If that makes sense. So if the narrow chauffeur is leggings, so then you're blowing the narrow small chauffeur, and it's extending all the way out, and it's blowing pure. And then you have just like a cone around it of a larger chauffeur. It's not impeding the sound in any way, but it's fine. Remember, if the larger chauffeur extends further out than the thinner chauffeur, then it could be catching it and turning it into an echo chamber at the end, right? In the back end. So you have to be careful that it's not a chatzitza is the point, as Rashi's pointing out. Like if you're blowing out of the larger chauffeur, you got another chauffeur in there, that's for sure going to be chatzitza. Okay. Now we're two lines up from the wide. We're saying like this, Tanarbanu, Gerdo, so what's the scraping? Is this just external or also internal? Says the Mabraisa, it's going to be kosher, no matter whether you scrape it internally or externally. However, and if you scraped it and left it with the very last thin layer, kosher, that's fine too. So as we said before, one inside the other, if you hear the internal one, it's okay. You hear the external one, not good. Why would you do this? I don't know. What this exactly means is unclear. To me, it sounds like you're blowing out the wide end. If you do that, you're not Yotze. A Chasid uh, Shavard, to that effect, Min Karasika. We say to Hashem that we are going to, what? This was the Psukim that we say when we blow Shofar in Rosh Hashanah. We are calling out to you from the narrow straits. The blowing of the shofar is a sign of Hashem's call for Hashem's salvation. We start off in dire, narrow straits, Meitzar, and then we go to wider, Aneni Bar You should answer us with wide, expansive blessings. How do you like that? You didn't, you didn't see that? You didn't see that coming? Okay. So don't do it the opposite way, because that kind of ruins the effect. Okay. Amar Papa, ruins the vart. Amar Papa. We're not saying that you reverse it like a reversible sweater. It just means what we said, that you're blowing it out the, the, the wide end to the narrow. That's what it means. My timer. I don't know how you turn a chauffeur inside out like a sweater anyway. I guess the really soft, fresh horn. I don't know. What's the reason for that chauffeur being disqualified? So Rav Masna had... Uh, Less Hasidish exciting vart, the last wide line in Rashi, that just like it is in the animal's horn coming out of its head, that is the orientation with which you have to blow it on Rosh Hashanah. Okay. So now, four lines down into the wide lines, you got some two dots, and they say, different shivers, shofar's possible. You're going to make this makeshift shofar? Tanarban. Ha'isif alav kol you added really anything to the shofar, ben b'mino, ben shalom b'mino, possible. You're not supposed to add components to the shofar, it messes it up. Okay, well, if it had a hole and you stopped it up, so that's not hosafa, that's just like a, um, right, fixing it. Repair is possibly okay. According to Tanakama, it's not going to be okay. According to Tanakama, that's going to be puzzle regardless, whether it's mino or not bimino. Rabbi Nassan, however, omer bimino kasher, shalom bimino puzzle. So the hosafa is always going to be puzzle. The repair according to Rabbi Nassan, is going to be kosher, but only if it's bimino. The Gemara says, we're going to qualify Rabbi Nassan even further. Bimino kosher, Amar Rabbi Yochanan, 
Yeah, but that's only if the remaining of the shofar remains the original shofar. Yeah, which is to say, if you are sealing it with that which is not its own kind, then it doesn't matter. Even if the rest of the shofar was the original shofar, of course it would be puzzle. That's one version. The other version is kind of the opposite. Some say no, that it means like this. Uh, the most lenient opinion here is that the only time that Mino usually is good, the only time Mino would not be good is if most of the shofar is no longer there. If you're dealing with just remnants of shofar. But if you have most of the shofar intact, then you can even use Shaloba Mino. So that is the most makele opinion in this regard. Okay. Weiter in the Bryson. The internal gold plating. Puzzle. Not good. Mibachutz out external image. Then puzzle, right? Obviously, the external plating, the internal plating is for sure going to change the sound. External plating, if you have too much, it will change the sound. Therefore, it'll be a puzzle. Beam love kosher. If you got just a little trimming, it's not going to change the sound. It's okay. However, and now let's talk about um, a fracture. Nistakla arko. If it's fractured long along the length, puzzle. Just like a tooth, Andrew. God forbid if it's fractured all the way from the crown to the root. Lengthwise, you got to extract that sucker. There's nothing you can do. Lerachbo, but if it's fractured along the width, even the shtarbo shir tkia, if there's enough of a tooth left to put a post and crown or to put a crown on there, so then kosher. I'm, I'm, I've lost my way. I'm, I'm in the dental office right now. But the bottom line is if it's fractured along the width, so if you have enough, so to speak, for a shear of shofar, so then it's going to be kosher. Vim lav, puzzle. Obviously, if it's fractured all the way down, right, three quarters of the way down the root, you don't even have enough of a shear to do anything with it, so then it's not going to be enough. I have a shear tkia. What is the actual shear of shofar that you need in order to be considered a kosher shofar such that if the fracture is above that area, the shofar will still be kosher? Perish Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel, Kadeshi Yochzenu be Yado. lechan lechan. You have the shear. You got to be able to hold it with your hand, and still have a little shofar left over in both directions, that's enough shofar to be yotze. And so any uh, horizontal fracture above that area will not um, make the shofar puzzle. Okay. Hayakolo, assuming it doesn't change the sound, I would say. I would think. Anyway. Hayakolo dak o ave o tsarur kasher. What about you taking the shofar of the animal? Everybody knows shofars have like a personality, Right. Some of them are really robust. Some are baritone. Some are alto. Like, you can have all kinds of different sounds. Does it matter which kind of sound it is in order to be kosher? No. Bryce is saying, whether it's thin or thick or rough or gravelly, it's all going to be kosher. Shekol hakolos k'sherin b'shofar. It doesn't matter exactly. We don't have a specific sound that we're trying to get. We're just trying to get a, an authentic sound out of that shofar. Okay? That is authentic to that shofar. Shalchulei lavua d'shmuel. So now they ask like this. Shmuel's father. Let's say you bored a hole in a horn and then you blew into it. So he said, Yotza. He, he's Yotze. So the Gemara says, Pshita, that should be obvious. Because that, again, that's part of the shofar making process. That's how you make a shofar. says, no, no, no. That's part of the Pshita, right? That's part of the Kasha. That's how you make a shofar. Everybody is making shofars that way. If you didn't allow that, you wouldn't allow any shofars. The Gemara says, no, no, no. Amar Vashi, Shekarcho Right. That, in other words, mouth that instead of taking the shofar and then taking the hollow piece, whatever out the flesh or whatever there is in there, t- 
taking it out and making a shofar, you actually are boring into the bony insides, right? And you're not removing it. In other words, usually you just remove it and that's how you make a shofar. Here, you're kind of like making a drilling through it. So is that gonna be a problem? In other words, the bony inside is usually removed from a shofar. Now the bony inside is part of the shofar as it grows. Is that considered a min? Now even though it's certainly the same min as the shofar, is it enough of a disruption to the sound to make the shofar blast not kosher? That's the question. Says the Gemara, min Right, you might have thought that even though it's min bemino, it would be chatzitza affecting the sound and not, not and thus not kosher. Kamash malan that no, as long as that bony insert is um, it's the same min as the shofar, that even if it affects the sound somehow, it's still considered min bemino. It's not considered chatzitza, and therefore it is in fact kosher. With a few minutes left, Andrew, we're in the two dots, five lines up from the bottom, and as we approach the end zone, I'm just going to be kind of strolling and just grandstanding and taking this slow and savoring it while, and just smiling at the disbelief that you had uh, 45 minutes ago that we were gonna get here. Uh, any questions so far, Andrew? Oh, you're good? Okay, so we'll go on. Amar of Huna. What's going on here? Blowing into the pit. Oh, so if you're at the edge of the pit, so then those are the people, right, have to be concerned about the echo. You never thought of that. Maybe there's somebody in the pit. So there, they're going to be yotze. That's fascinating. So they're, what? They're getting the sounds directly, even if it's reverberating off the walls? I guess so. It's because Tanya Namayaki, we also have a Brysa. Right? The Brysa says that if you blow into the bore or into the cistern, you're yotze. That not no yotze. But how could you say that? Our mission says you're not yotze. And love, shmami no, kederavuna, shmami no, must be. That that Mishnah, that Brisa that says that Yotze is talking about the people in the pit. The one that says that you're not Yotze, our Mishnah is talking about the people outside the pit. Says the Gemara, wait, we have another version. There are those who point out that there is in fact this right steer between the Brisa and the Mishnah. It's not. That's our Mishnah. That if you blow into a pit or a cistern, you're not Yotze. And the Brisa says you are Yotze. Again, the resolution of Ravuna. Those are standing at the edge of the pit where it's possible to hear the echo, right? Then it's going to be not Yotze. That's our Mishnah. But those who are standing in the pit, the echo there is not heard, which is physiologically interesting. But apparently the Brysa who's talking about those people in the pit, those are the ones that are going to be Yotze. Uh, let's stop here. I'm a rabbi. Can you do two words on your own? And then those are the last two words in Chavzayin base. Well, we didn't do it on your own. I said I'm a rabbi. You'll find out what rabbi said tomorrow. Everybody have a good Shabbos.